This inspiring message comes to you from Impact Church in Kingston, Ontario, where we are committed to living like Jesus and loving like Jesus. It is our prayer that this message blesses and enriches your life. What we're carrying on with our Empowered series this morning, um, I'm excited about I'm excited about the Holy Spirit. I remember uh, many years ago, for those that don't know my background, I grew up in a good old Pentecostal church, except it was more of a Baptocostal church um, that I grew up in. It was Pentecostal on the name on the outside, but inside it was more Baptist in its flavor. And so I remember growing up believing that, God, if this is all that I could experience in my life, if this is it, like for Christianity, you know, just coming to church and just doing my thing and being involved in certain things, but never really experiencing the tangible presence of God, that was life transforming. I remember thinking to myself, Lord, if this is all it is, I don't want it. I don't want it. I, I'd rather just go and do my own thing, live in the world, have fun, and and uh, figure all that out. And then one day, I was 22 years of age, I prayed the craziest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. I said, God, if you're real, show me. I highly recommend that prayer for those that are struggling, for those that are, uh, don't really want to ever find out that kind of answer, that I don't know, but I prayed the craziest prayer I've ever prayed in my life. I said, God, if you're real, show me. And I was filled with the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in such a powerful way that I can honestly say I've never been the same since. Literally, I've become a different person. Um, Some people think that's good. Some people don't think that's so good. Um, But it's all good. And I want to explain to you and tell you this morning that God wants to touch your life in a supernatural way. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. All three of you. That's awesome. How many believe that God wants to touch your life this morning? Okay. Just so you know, I don't mind the feedback. It's all good. It's all good. I just want to start this morning with Acts chapter 1. It was actually our theme verse from last week, but I want to reference it again. It's so powerful. And it says this in verse 4. While being together and eating with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father, uh, for what the Father had promised, of which he said, you have heard me speak. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized and empowered and united with the Holy Spirit not long from now. Baptized, empowered, and united. The word over our church last year was this word alignment. God said, if you align yourselves with the plan and purposes of God, God will do great things. When Gary was here in in January, a couple weeks ago, he literally said, I I feel like the word over your church is acceleration. How many know that when you align yourself with God's heart and God's purpose and God's plan and God's direction, that acceleration is a natural byproduct? But how many know acceleration without empowerment is going to be fruitless? Or if I can say it a different way, it'll be frustrating. God doesn't want you to be frustrated in walking out the plan and purpose of God for your life. He wants you to be so empowered, so full, so excited about what God is doing that you literally cannot wait to get up in the morning and see what God wants you to do today. Wow, all three of you agreed with that. That's good. Can we need to stand up again? Come on, let's go. Are we here today? Are we awake? Are we alive? Okay, here we go. Here we go. So that word empowered literally means to give power and authority to someone. To equip or supply with the ability to accomplish a task. To give power 
and authority to someone. To give power and authority to someone. It goes on in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. I'm going to read this here. It says this. So when they had come together, they asked him repeatedly, Lord, are you at this time reestablishing the kingdom and restoring it to Israel? He says, are you making everything okay for us? In other words, they wanted reassurance that everything was going to be okay before they got their other part. How many have ever wanted God to just kind of map out your life before you actually just take a step of obedience? Right? God, if you just give me the next step, then I, I will willfully just, you know, in, in greatness and thankfulness, just absolutely step into that. But God is saying, listen, before the map is given, can you step into it? Before the next piece of the puzzle is given, can you step into it? No matter what's coming your way, no matter what's going on at work, can you step into it? God is literally saying, listen, don't wait for the next plan. Just go. Just do it. So he goes, he said to them in verse 7, It is not for you to know the times which the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power and ability when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the ends of the earth. It's very interesting here in verse 7 and verse 8, there's actually two different words uh, in the Greek that are used that are often translated the same way, which is power. But it's, in this case, translated one is authority translated, the other one is translated power. But the first word is this. It's the, literally the Greek word exousia. And it literally means this. To, to have conferred power or to be given the right to act. It is often translated in the English as exertion. Okay? So to exert something, to exert uh, our will upon something. And God is literally saying, I've given you two forms of power this morning under the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One is the authority or the right to act. It's the authority of Christ. How many are thankful that when we step into situations, we're not doing it on our own authority? Because that wouldn't go very far. But God is literally saying, listen, I've given you my authority. You step in my authority. Step into my identity and my acceptance and my alignment. And when you do that, God says the impossible becomes possible. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. But the second word is that word dunamis. It's literally where we get the English word dynamite. But it literally means power in the sense of ability. How many know that there are certain limitations on your physical power that you can only do so much. But God is saying here, listen, I I want you to understand something with the Holy Spirit. He just doesn't give authority. In other words, the right to act. He gives you the power to do something that he tells you to do. It's powerful. But let's remember, if I can say for a second this morning, let's remember the context of the situation. Okay, put yourself in the lives of the disciples. Okay, they just lived with Jesus for three and a half years. They saw incredible miracles. They saw breakthrough. They saw walking on water. They saw dead people coming to life. They saw people who were blind being able to see again just because Jesus spit in their eye. I think that'd be cool. He saw people that were healed of things that they had had for their entire life. He saw a woman with the issue of blood that was supernaturally healed because she touched the hem of his garment. We saw people that had things happen to them that were absolutely mind-blowing. So for three and a half years, they saw the supernatural. They saw the touch of God literally played out on a daily basis. How many would love to see that? Okay? But Jesus knew that his followers were not ready to change the world. 
until something happened. They weren't ready. They thought they were ready. They hoped that they were ready. But they know, Jesus knew that they needed to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. He's given them his name, which was authority, but they had to get the power of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why was it that Jesus knew that that was so incredibly important? Well, Jesus knew it because he knew that the baptism of the Holy Spirit to every believer was what a phone booth was to Clark Kent. Do you know what I'm saying? That's why. Because he knew that as soon as Clark Kent came out of the phone booth, he was Superman. Right? In other words, he was completely transformed, totally different. It will change you into a completely different being. Sometimes we have this mindset that, you know, oh, the Holy Spirit will come upon me, and, you know, and it's going to come upon me for certain areas and certain times to do certain things at a certain place with a certain person, and then everything's done. God is saying, no, I want you to be immersed in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit every single day so that whether you're ready in season or out of season, God will have a word through you that will speak life to those who are weary, life to those who are depressed and discouraged and and fed up with everything in their life. And God is going to use you because of the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's a good word. Think Superman. All right? Think Superman because that's exactly what he wants to do with you. It wasn't just the power to do. It was the power to transform. That was his heart. Some of us are praying supernaturally right now that their, that their spouse would be transformed this morning. Um, it's okay. That's the wrong prayer to pray. It's all good. Just focus on Jesus and everything's going to be good, right? Okay? But I tell you, it is Im- incredibly important that we understand that that dunamis power, the dynamite power of the Holy Spirit was not just to cause you to do something, but it was also to cause you to be transformed once and for all, so that you don't have to go back to the old patterns of life. Do you believe that? That's awesome. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, I'm going to pick up this verse again and just touch on a couple of things that says this, but you will receive power and ability, power and ability, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. If I can make reference of a couple of things here, as I was reading that verse, it really stood out to me that the touch of the Holy Spirit in people's lives is tangible. So, you're going to see something. How many have ever met someone for the, you know, literally five minutes after they fell in love for the first time and met what they hope is the you know, person of their future dreams? How many know there's a tangible difference with their countenance? There's a tangible difference in the way that they walk. There's a tangible difference in the way that they talk. There's a tangible difference in everything. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, there's going to be a tangible difference. So get ready for it. When God's presence comes, It's going to be a real experience that's going to cause something to be incredibly tangible, and it's going to cause tangible change uh, in your life. Here's the second thing that you have to understand. With anything to do with power, which is, again, the English word for dynamite, how many know that when dynamite explodes, you see the results of it? Let's not not get, like, you know, rocket science here. When you see something blow up, you see a tangible change. In other words, it will be noticed. Are we here this morning? It'll be noticed. Why? Because God loves you. God wants to empower you. And as he's empowering you and you do the things that God's called you to do, it's going to be a noticeable difference. I remember one of the first things that happened to me when I had my experience when I was 22 years of age. First thing that happened. Other than the fact that I spoke in tongues and I was literally on the floor for hours. They had to carry me out. 
because I physically could not get up from the weight of God's presence on me. So they had, actually my brother had to helicopter, you know, whatever they call it, where it gets me on my shoulders. He had fire, fireman, yeah, fire, whatever it's called. Helicopter, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, he literally had to carry me out and place me in the back seat of his car because I could not get up. He's like, Cam, just walk. I can't, man. It's awesome. I was just like, no. Oh, it was awesome. It was overwhelming because it was the Spirit of God. The actual, I shared this on Wednesday night, but the actual word for the glory of God in the Hebrew is the kabod of God. It literally means the weighty presence of God. When the weighty presence of God comes on you, it's like His super on your natural. You're going to feel it. It's tangible. You cannot understand it, but it is tangible. It sits on you. Could you imagine being at work one day and the kabod of God falls on you? And you're just like, whoa! And someone's like, what's wrong with you? The Leafs finally won! <laughs> Woo! No, really, it's, you're trying to explain it away, right? You're trying to explain it as best you can. But I have, I have news for you today. If you're looking to explain your experience, then God... And, and I think in a lot of ways, you won't, you're not going to see what God really wants for you because you've already tried to figure it all out. Don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure or explain away the experience of the Holy Spirit because I'm telling you right now, it is unexplainable. And He's going to do something in you that is so supernatural and so mighty because He loves you. Amen? It's good. All right. Thank you. We've already talked last week about being born of the Spirit. That's salvation. That's coming to Christ. Making a decision to follow God. Baptized in the Spirit, we talked about last week as well. But what he wants is empowerment, power and ability to do what they can never do in themselves. We go on in verse 8 here, and it says this, And you will be my witnesses to tell people about me. You will be my witnesses. You will be my witnesses. How many have ever heard that phrase, will be? And what does it tell you? It tells you that something's coming starts up some sort of level of expectation. It causes us to think beyond the now. The problem with a lot of people, so many people are caught up in the now that they can't experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the infilling of the Holy Spirit or the presence of the Holy Spirit in such a tangible way because they're so focused on the here and now. And God is saying, listen, let go of that stuff and just focus on me. Don't worry about what's going on in your life right now. We can deal with that another day. Okay? Baptized in the Holy Spirit means the problem becomes much easier. So you have two choices. You can try to be in the here and now, figure out all the problems in life, and try to figure it out that way. Or you can just get filled with the Holy Spirit every single day, get filled up, get ready to go, and then go deal with your problems in a completely supernatural way. I, I choose plan B. I like that one. The touch of the Spirit will transform who you are. The proof of the book of Acts, the proof of the change and transformation of the Holy Spirit in so many ways um, you know, I can look at Peter as a great example of this. Peter, prior to, and really a lot of the disciples, prior to the resurrection of Christ and prior to the experience of Pentecost, they were afraid for their lives, right? Because Jesus was dead, so now someone's going to round them up, I'm sure. So they were afraid for their lives. They denied Jesus, at least poor Peter did. They argued amongst themselves. Of course, that never happens in church. But after the event, they were united, they were bold, and they were empowered. And literally, Peter 
was a living testimony of the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit in his life. Huh, it's amazing. It is amazing. But what's interesting about what the Holy Spirit does is he doesn't make you an entirely different person. In other words, he didn't make a Peter a John. He just made Peter a better Peter. Do you know what I'm saying? Sometimes we think God's going to just do something crazy. It's like, no, he's going he's to make you better. That's the whole point. He wants to make you better. But what was interesting is the crowd noticed the difference. If I can go one step further, the religious leaders of the day noticed the difference. And I'm going to read the story of when the religious leaders came across Peter and John in Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 14. You can follow along with me on the screen behind. And it says this, the next day, so this is the day after Pentecost, okay? So in the morning, everybody in Jerusalem thought all of the disciples and all of the followers were drunk. Why? Because they acted drunk. Oftentimes, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm telling you right now, you'll have almost a drunk experience. You'll be overwhelmed with the presence of God to such a degree that you will not be coherent. <laughs> right? You'll be, in, you'll be in your own little space world somewhere. It's be awesome. But literally, they thought they were drunk. Peter stands up and says, we're not drunk as you suppose, but we're just filled with the Holy Spirit. They're like, who's the Holy Spirit? Well, I'm going to tell you. Sit down. And the guy that you killed, Jesus, is the one that empowered us to be like this. He was bold. He got up. He preached so bold that 3,000 people answered his altar call. So fast forward. The very next, so they slept on it, which I don't know how you could sleep that night. But they slept. They get up in the morning. They get dragged in uh, before the rulers, the Pharisees of the world. And this is what it says. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the, the uh, high priest, was there. And so was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. And they had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power? Okay, catch this. First question out of their mind, it wasn't, um, you know, whose name you do this in, or, or in, you know, what joy, what hope, what, you know, what power did you do this? By what power or what name did you do this? So what happened here is they actually recognized the two things that Acts chapter 1, verse 8 prophesied about, that they would receive power and authority. Power and authority. By what name? In other words, what authority? And what power did you do this from? So they recognized, even though they didn't know what they were recognizing. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and, has, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, just he wanted to get that part in, um, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, and which has become the chief cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. So when they saw the courage of Peter and John, one version says the boldness of Peter and John, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. And here's one of my favorite lines. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Not one thing. They had no answer. 
when Jesus moves and the Holy Spirit empowers you, there is no human answer. Is anyone in this place tired of trying to explain away Christianity to people that don't want to believe it? How many are tired of, of trying to argue your points and convince someone that Jesus is actually a good guy that actually loves you and wants to have a plan of purpose for your life? I don't know about you. I'm all for apologetics. I love it. Ravi Zacharias, one of the most incredible apologetics out there. But he, he even in himself, will say, I can, I can argue in an in a educational setting, and I, can, and I can argue that side, and it's good, and we should do that. We should know the word. We should know how to answer people. But there's a whole different ballgame when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit because you're speaking not from your own thought and your own mind. You're speaking from heaven. And when heaven speaks, earth doesn't have an answer. So they may just sit there and go, I don't know know what you're talking about, but that's okay. That's okay. I have news for you this morning that when the gifts of the Spirit are in evidence and in manifestation in our lives, we will speak to situations that no one has any clue we would ever know. Bible literally says that we would have a word in season for those who were weary. Could you imagine if you're going, you know, literally leaving this place and you go up to a restaurant and as you're literally being served your food and then you look up at the waitress or the waiter and, and God just starts speaking to you and you're just like, oh boy, here we go. Here we go. What am I going to say? And you literally just say, I know this is going to sound really crazy, but God just wants to let you know and you just share. I tell you right now, I've seen, I've lost count how many times I've seen this happen where the waitress or the waiter is sitting at our booth not long after that, tears coming down their cheeks because they know that there's no way on the face of the planet that any human would know what they're going through, what they're thinking right now. But the Holy Spirit does. So I have news for you. When we are full of the Holy Spirit and we are literally living in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the impossible becomes possible. The transformation that happens in the Holy Spirit is for the whole person. Sometimes we get caught up with this issue of, of tongues, speaking in tongues. And, and I can honestly say, there's, I think there's great spiritual understanding of why God chose tongues. Some people look at it and will see something on YouTube or somebody will send you something crazy on TV and say, yeah, look at those wacky, weird Christians. You know what my response usually is? I say, you know what? what what's the area that you've been most hurt by in your life? What, well, you know, what people have said to me. I said, okay. I say, what have you hurt people the most by? Well, what I say to people or what I don't say or it's how I say it. I said, absolutely. So the tongue is the most unruly member of your body. In other words, it's out of control. How many have had really good thoughts and then seen your mouth open up and then something comes flying out and you're like, oh, I wish I could take that back. Right? It's like we used to teach them in Sunday school where we had these kids in Sunday school, literally, or impact kids, literally just jump on top of a toothpaste uh, tube and see the toothpaste squirt out. And then we would say to them, okay, I want you to put all the toothpaste back in. Right? We can't do that. They said, that's exactly what your words are like. So be careful what you say. Be careful what you say. Listen, the most unruly member of your body, James chapter 3 says, it's James, you wrote a good book, my friend. Um, in the third chapter of James's personal book, it says in the first eight to ten verses, it says the tongue is the most unruly member. It has the ability to mess up your entire life. Even though the ship may be huge, it is the small little rudder that can steer it and direct it and guide it. So think about this. 
What is the most uncontrollable member of your body? Right there. What does God bring under control when he baptizes you in the Holy Spirit? Right there. I think it's perfect. It's like God knew what he was doing. I love it. And as I shared last week, when it's like when you buy running shoes, tongues come with it, so it's all good. All right. So the question is, again, not just what you're doing, but it's about transformation. I don't know about you, but I've had seasons in my life where I've seen the miraculous, I've seen supernatural things, I've seen the gifts of the Spirit in evidence, and I've seen some pretty incredible things. I could probably tell you stories for hours upon end about some of the stuff that God has done, either that I've actually personally witnessed or God has actually used me to minister to somebody else. And I can honestly say I've lost count of stories. I have so many stories I could be talking to you all day. But the one thing I keep coming back to is a very simple thought. Miracles are good. The supernatural is good. Okay? Prophecy is good. I love it. Healing is good. But how many know this morning that miracles attract attention, but it is changed lives that attract converts? When someone sees you become a different person, it causes them to go, wow, what did God do for them? I wonder if God can do that for me. And it, and it takes away the mysticism, if I can say it like this, of the supernatural. And we've had, I mean, we believe in the supernatural. We're going to believe in the supernatural to the day I die because that's what I believe in. But signs and wonders and miracles are not something that we can look to as a, as a proof of our faith. And most people out there don't look that same way. But I tell you, if they see your life changed, if somebody who knows you sees your life changed, sees you at complete peace no matter what's going on around you, see with the joy of the Lord in your life no matter what is being said about you or posted on Facebook about you or anything else, it doesn't matter what goes on because you are absolutely in perfect alignment as that verse says, in ye, not just in the power, not just empowered, but also united with the Holy Spirit. Miracles attract attention, but change lives attract converts. What did they see in Acts chapter 4? Why is it that 3,000 people came to Christ in one day? Because they knew Peter. Th think about this. Sometimes we get this mindset where we, we can't put ourselves actually in the story. But think about this. All these people were in Jerusalem. They know who Peter was. They knew that he denied Jesus three times. Have you ever noticed that only 12 people saw, or actually 11 technically because Judas was already gone, but 11 people saw Jesus restore Peter, not 5,000. No one else saw the restoration of Peter. So when they're looking at this guy, they're literally saying, what happened to you? Because I know you're not the same guy that I saw a couple weeks ago wallowing in your own self-pity because you denied the person that you said you loved. So something changed. Something was transformed. Something was turned upside down. How many want your houses and your homes and your kids turned upside down for God? Come on. In Acts chapter 4, 14, it literally says that the religious leaders of the day had no response. They couldn't say anything. They had no comeback. They had no argument. They couldn't argue it away. They couldn't sit there and say, well, you know, there's more than one way to God. Couldn't pull, they couldn't pull that trick. They couldn't do it. If I can say it like this as well, to be a witness for Jesus is not just a work of your own verbal and educational creativity. 
you know what I'm saying? I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm thankful that God's helped me how to speak to people. That's awesome. I'm thankful for that. But at the end of the day, I don't want to be the proof or the argument that they believe. I want Jesus to be it. Okay? I don't want my wise little creative words to, to absolutely think, wow, yo, that guy's real. He's a great communicator. Therefore, I'm going to listen to what he says. How many know that someone else will come along after me that will be smarter than me and more creative than me and sharper than me and have more charisma and a better personality and cheer for a better hockey team and say something, say something that will even convince you of something completely against what I just tried to convince you of. So it's not about convincing and it's not about being educationally, strategically, and creatively smarter. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul understood this. Paul, who came out of a background and out of an experience where he couldn't understand, Paul got this. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 4 and 5, it says this, And I pray, Lord, that my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. How many of you have ever been given permission uh, to do something, or you've been given authority to do something, but the entire time you really doubt whether they were sincere? And this is the problem with most Christians on the planet. God has given us something, but we question the sincerity of the, and the validity of something that it causes us to be hesitant, it causes us to have doubt, it causes us to have fear, and at the end of the day, it causes us at times to even question if this is something God would even want for us. But you have to understand, Jesus himself said, I have to go so that the gift of the Father can come to empower you to do the very work of the cross every single day of your life. And John 14, 12 says that he will do through you greater things than even Jesus did. Oh, that gets me excited. It gets me excited because I keep thinking to myself, God, I don't want to just live the boring Christian life where I play the game and I show up to church on Sunday and I go to my small group and I pray at home and I have to say grace over the food because if not, it's going to poison me to death. So I have to say grace, Lord. I cannot say grace. And and it can't be like that silly little prayer from my three-year-old who didn't even pray it right. So, Lord, then we have to pray again. How many? We get all these wacky thoughts. And I keep thinking to myself, guys, what is this all about? It's not just about a decision where we say, okay, I love Jesus, therefore I'm going to accept Jesus in my life. It's about saying, okay, God, give me the tools to accomplish what you've called me to do. Because without them, I can't do it. And this is what's happening with most Christians. They've been given an entire building to to work on with one screwdriver. And you've said, you just satisfied with it. I got my screwdriver. I know it's 50 years old, but it was what passed down from my grandfather and my father and my great-great-grandfather and blah, 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 blah. And God is saying, listen, there's something called power tools. It's really good. You know, it's going to help you accomplish more in a quicker way. It actually makes you look better and more handy. Unless your name is Cameron Jeffs. And then it doesn't. It actually makes it look worse. But that's okay. And I'm okay with that now. I've gone through my healing. It's all good. Um, But you have to understand, it's not just about living a life satisfied with the decision you made 38 years ago. It's about every single 
day of your life tapping into the very power and the presence of God that loves people with a heart of compassion, that wants to see people's lives transformed. But I'm telling you right now, just giving them food at Christmas isn't going to solve it. It'll open a door, but it won't solve it. What solves it is the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that this morning? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it goes on and it says, and you will be my witnesses to tell people about me. And it says this, but in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and Samaria, and even to the ends of the earth. First thing I want you to notice here, the entire purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit should transform your home. It's got to be your home. And not just your physical home, but your natural home, Kingston. I've seen so many people that get so excited about what God's doing in their life, and they just want to, you know, go and be a part of something totally else and do their thing somewhere else. And I sit there going, you know what? I believe God calls people on mission. I married one. Okay? I believe in missions. It's awesome. I believe we should go. Absolutely. But start here. Start in your own home. Start in your living room. Start in your kid's bedroom as you're praying for them at night. Lay hands on them and believe for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They say, well, they don't understand. It's okay. Teach them then. You pastor them. You tell them that there's something beyond where they're at. We had our son. I won't get into a, a tremendous long story with this, but our son, Josiah, who's our oldest, uh, turning 12 very soon and had a frustrating day. Sander had this long conversation with him, and, and, and we just, Sander literally said, Josiah, you need to go for a walk, and you need to go ask Jesus about the situation. And he literally gets going on this walk, and he just starts bawling. And the Spirit of God comes all over this kid. And he's a mess. And I looked at it and I go, if God can do something for my 11-year-old son, I can do something for anybody. Even in the midst of his own frustrations, which in our adult world would look at it and say, that's not really a big deal, Josiah, get over it. But in actuality, to him, it was a big deal. And God said, listen, if you give it to me, I can meet you right where you're at. It doesn't matter what it is, how big it is, how small it is, who's who's it involved with. I can meet that area right where you are at. Listen, I have news for you this morning. If you're a parent and you have kids, especially if they're at home, believe God that the Spirit of God can touch their lives as well. Don't just take it for yourself. Take it for your house. Amen? Love those that are around you. Walk out the one another's of the New Testament church. Amen? Again, it's not just about the power to witness, and it's not just about the power to do those things. It is about transformation. We're believing God this year for a year of change and transformation. How many are excited about that? And for me, I keep thinking it keeps coming back down to two things. It's the Word of God and it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Word of God, our Bible reading plan, and the Holy Spirit. That's the answer. Galatians 2.8 says this, For he who worked effectively for Peter and empowered him in his ministry to the Jews also worked effectively for me and empowered me in my ministry to the Gentiles. This is Paul talking. They understood the power of the Holy Spirit. Goes on in Galatians 5.25 and he says this, If we claim to live by the Holy Spirit, we must also walk by the Spirit with personal integrity, godly character, and moral courage. For our conduct must be empowered by the Holy Spirit. What am I saying with that? He wants to affect every area of your life. It's not just praying for someone for healing. It's actually believing God that he can touch your life to such a degree that your character comes into alignment with God's. 
How many love the adjustments of the Holy Spirit? It's awesome. Embrace it, because God's good. Thank you for taking the time to listen to one of our messages from Impact Church. We hope and trust that this message encouraged you. If you want to find out more information about our church, check us out online at www.impactkingston.com. 